Unreal. So just about to hop on the phone with the one and only Andy Agnew. Now, the crazy thing is I actually semi grew up with Andy, only it was like rival schools, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> we're, so, we're friends now. Oh, yeah. Enough time has passed. We, we've put our, put our differences aside. But so, <laughs> you know, Andy and I are the same age. We've gone on very, very, very different career journeys. And it's funny. And now we're kind of meeting in the middle here on this podcast during these crazy times. So... Really simply, my understanding of Andy is that he is part of Henderson Group, and Henderson Group is one of the biggest companies in Northern Ireland, all into food, all into the food supply chain, and so loads of you guys have been writing in and suggesting that we get Andy on the show, because there's a lot of concerns going around, there's a lot of anxiety whenever it comes to, are we going to be okay, are we going to make it food-wise, and so who better to talk to than the man himself? Hmm. So Andy, I really, really appreciate you being here, thank you. Such a such an honour. I was just saying to you before I jumped on, I thought when this moment came up, it would be so organised, but in, in the food world, it has been a crazy week, so I've got nothing prepared. <laughs> but you know what? I tend to find that it's the podcasts that are kind of off the cuff that end up being the best, so there you go. We'll, we'll just say that anyway, even if, even if it's not the reality. <laughs> but Andy, look, the first question that we start off in our usual episodes uh, and as you know uh, we've been doing these this kind of series quarantine phone calls we're doing a daily show been loving it yeah crazy but just to have a bit of normality for the regular listeners what is your first memory and if you have one would you mind sharing it with us wow so when you ask this question it's like i'm kind of realizing i've got a terrible memory but <laughs> i don't know what age people normally have i have one memory from when I was in nursery school and I have one memory from when I was in P1 or like the start of of P1 so and they both kind of say the same thing about me so my first memory ever was my um (laughs) arriving to nursery school which I hated okay (laughs) and like within the first week the, the roof of the nursery just, like, collapsed. Oh, boy. And, and, and we arrived, and my mum dropped me off and <laughs> explained to me that I wasn't able to go. And I and my mum, Kotsa, said, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> I absolutely detested, like, social interactions. At that age, I was, like, the firstborn in the family and just loved, like, hanging with mum and dad. And, like, anyone else that, like, took attention and any of that kind of stuff, <laughs> I just absolutely hated. And then the next memory, fast forward, must be, like, I don't know, like a year or two. And it's, like, the first term of primary school. And we're walking, my dad's walking me around Ormo okay. Park. Because we were going on this school trip to Ormo Bakery, which now no longer exists. Ugh. And this was like before, like, I was, anyone was aware that like, Ormo was like this cool happening. Yeah, it was before it was the Brooklyn of Belfast. It was just yeah, a normal exactly. neighborhood. <laughs> and I didn't know that like years later, I'd be spending like significant periods of time <laughs> on this street. But my dad was walking me around and this was the Sunday night before, before the trip. Because like he knew like I was just freaking out any kind of social wow. like new place anything and then I like dad was just like do a dry run with this trip <laughs> he was like showing me like this is what it's gonna look like <laughs> and and then actually it turned out to be turned out to be cool and um, but like yeah like after that like I don't have a lot of memories from that age I don't know what you normal uh, I mean you've given have. away enough like that is just solid gold material to work from because what I think is so interesting is because I, I had no idea that you were like that as a child and what's interesting people who have listened to the show for a while know that actually I have a very similar story but what oh, wow. is really interesting is that for some reason 
you have become extremely extroverted later in life. So yeah, it's been a journey. What? How did that happen? If you don't mind summarizing well, just your whole life yeah. so far. <laughs> whole life, whole life so far. So how did you make the, the jump from, okay. from nervous, yeah. shy child to, you know, really confident on stage, great communicator, things that are not associated yeah. with quote-unquote introverts? So I guess I'll, I'll, sum, I'll sum it up and then I'll, and then I'll rewind. So I guess once I started to figure out what my skill sets were and where I could add value and like I was legitimately like good at something, mm. um, then I was like that, that was what gave me confidence, but it brought me so, it, it, I had to come so long to get there. So short story is grew up in a total bubble, you know, awesome family unit, but total bubble isolated this middle-class kind of life. Um, went to like a private primary school and all that kind of thing and was like no idea what the world out there was like mm. um, then came to the end of primary school and people in Northern Ireland will know the 11 plus I got a, I got a B1 which meant that I couldn't actually I don't know if you knew this I didn't actually get into friends right away Dun, dun, dun. Um, yeah, I knew, right? That is like just, the height of drama for the middle class dream. <laughs> well, particularly the guy that went to like the, the friends school, primary school. It's sure. like I was the the reject. Okay, there was a, a bunch of people that didn't get in, but therefore had to look around for other options. And I was starting to enjoy sport at this time and, and went to all the open days and school called Inst was like jumping out at me, loved the whole uh, passion around the school and and uh, and it was only a 10 minute train away and all this kind of stuff and then and then it came to like day 1 of realizing gosh i've got to get on a train mm. and not just be dropped at the front door of this school <laughs> which is like a total new thing for me little did i know that the people that i would begin to interact with at this new school and this new city and um, that was so close but yet so far yeah. was going to be so different than the the little incubated experience that i'd had so sure. far so first day first day landed in to school so Dad had dropped me off at the train station. Mum had met me on the other side of Great Victoria Street wow. to make sure that I had got there. <laughs> and there's like a million other black blazers. And I'm like, Mum, get away. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and I find, find my way to my form class. And I sit down. And I'll never forget this. The guy was called, guy was called Matthew. And I'm like, hey, I'm Andy. And I'm like trying to make friends. And it was really hard for me. But I was like just trying to be super friendly and play it cool. And he was like, are you a Protestant or a Catholic? <laughs> and I was like, and I, no, I kid you not. And I was like, what are those? <laughs> like, I didn't know. What? I didn't. I, I, I had got to age 11 and not known, growing up in Northern Ireland, what those terms meant. Wow. And I went home. I was like, mom, like, what am I? And your parents and were like, like, all oh. of our work completely yeah. ruined in one no, instant. No, no. <laughs> no actually, mom was like, oh, yeah, I, pr I probably should have told you by now. Like, she had wanted to protect me from all of this stuff wow. that they had grown up through that, had, like, really affected them. And they had, like, tried to protect me with the best intentions. Yeah. But then I was, like, kind of thrown, thrown in the deep end. Turned out uh, Matthew was a really good friend then. But anyway, so... The whole time, whole entire time, um, I was enjoying the school. And then friends, actually, two years later, um, at the end of my second year, gave, gave me a phone call on a Friday. And we're like, 
we've been like uh, you know monitoring your progress and actually there's a space for you at, at friends don't know if you're interested and then like over the weekend had to make the quick decision like to you know which of these two great schools to go to and move back to friends just because ho- had a whole load of friends at friends <laughs> and um like it was my local school and um brother and sister were there and all that kind of stuff but actually going through those two years in an environment where um, I don't know, I experienced, I watched some of my friends getting bullied for the first time and like, you know, even language that I hadn't u- been used to growing up in this like other kind of environment um, made me kind of try and I guess go on that journey that maybe most people do with it like a little later, but it's like yeah. find myself. Like I really did have to find myself and figure out like identity. Wow, this is getting deep already. Um, and like stand up for like stuff that I, that I that I thought and believed and 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 sport I guess was a big one for me like that gave me a bit of confidence and um, you know it's a great way to connect with people um, because you have to know their name to shout to say you know <laughs> pass the ball or all that kind of stuff yeah, um, yeah. but then you f- you feel like you're part of something when you're in, you're in a team and and actually then. Uh, for one reason or another, your, your ego maybe gets built up if you're good at it and all that kind of stuff, whether that's good or bad. Um, that, that, that really helped me. But then um, moving back to a brand new school, I was a new one again and had yeah. to go through that entire journey. Yeah. And like, like had that, I guess, second chance of like reinventing myself and figuring out what kind of stuff you want to get involved with and what kind of people ultimately you want to get involved with. And yeah. And, uh, and, but but it has been it has been lifelong and then I guess I had to make another big jump leaving school going to university and then probably the biggest jump from university to this like real world of trying to make make money and pay a mortgage and sure. and uh, and like leave leave all of that secure environment for, for for really the first time yeah and hey I'm still I'm still on this journey yeah awesome man. awesome so I mean. I think it's really interesting you touched on identity and like it's interesting to hear kind of some of your thoughts about um, this is a strange thing to say but maybe some of the obstacles that growing up in Mm. a real place of privilege can actually bring as well and this is only something that I came across via Gary V he is really big on this sort of stuff and Mm. he talks about how you know, we celebrate the person that came from nothing and built everything with their own bare hands and yeah. they went from zero to hero. But actually, a equally challenging journey is for the person who comes from a, a dynasty. You know, I think of Bill Gates' uh, kids. Mm. Like, they are faced with a very, very unique challenge of trying to find their own selves and their own identity moving forward. So it's just interesting to hear, like, some of the things that you have been saying and i'm curious now how uh later in life or uh you know in your kind of like later teens how did you walk the line between trying to find your own path and then um follow the path that had kind of been set before you if that makes sense yeah of course and i guess you know growing up um i mean to summarize uh part of family business, I'm fifth generation, and going back to a guy called John, who was first generation, he built the thing on, on his own, and actually started from nothing, and, and wow. ha- had to work crazy hard, and, um, you know, being aware of the, the family story until, I guess, me, 
uh, I've always been so proud of of the thing and never knew any different. So yeah. when people would say, you know, at school, what, what do your parents do? Um, I just found it totally normal to say that my dad's on the, on the board of directors of this of this company that's like a household name. Yeah. And and let's go back even even further. Um, I had no idea that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, at sure. all. Like re- like genuinely maybe until I was like sixteen. Mm. Like so. Um. First generation, John Henderson decided to do something really radical when he set up our business. So he set up, once it started to go really well, I mean, so it started a little cheese stand in St. George's Market. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I mean, wow. yeah. So little cheese stand, he was really into like artisan cheese. And like, he was the, he had like these contacts all over the world who would like send him all this cheese. And then he wow. was like, well, I guess I could make this a bit of a business. Maybe other people would want this stuff and started to move into other items and then became a bit of a bigger wholesaler, I guess. And then uh, later down the line, inherited a store from a customer that couldn't pay his debt and then decided to run it to kind of see if there's any learnings you could get from, you know, understanding the customer's side. So that's how the retail thing worked and then started to be profitable on its own, right? But 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 right at the start, when it started to go well, he set up a, a charitable trust. And when he did that, he, he gave the equity, the entire equity, I think 90% or something like that at the time, across to this trust. Okay. And therefore, he paid himself a salary, but no dividends you know, went to him or when there became other directors and, and other people involved in the business. Uh, no dividends at all. Everyone just earned a, a reasonable salary and uh, and the charitable trust received all of the profit. Wow. And what that has meant, whether he meant it or not, say fifth generation Andy comes along and maybe isn't interested in the business but wants to you know, cream some profit off and, <laughs> and, and you may maybe even sell it someday. You know, normally like second or third generation kind of get greedy. And, and I guess he wanted to protect that. So to this day, the, the trust owns the equity of the business. Wow. And um, you know, there's two directors at the minute that are shareholders. They, they have voting shares, but that's, that's separate. And the two shareholders take no, no profits. They take a salary like the rest of the directors. And, uh, you know, our business has always been set up that you've got to work in the business if you want to, um, I guess, receive any any of the benefit of it. Yeah. Um, but what that meant was that my dad earned like like a reasonable salary. And sure. we, we had normal cars similar to the cars my friends had and, and a pretty modest house and and uh, went on like you know the normal camping holidays and yeah. and, and mum and dad did such a great job to try and i guess protect us yeah um and and i that's why i therefore like didn't realize because i i actually wasn't in a super you know i'm not bill gates's son yeah um, <laughs> at all what i have access to is i guess opportunity to go and work in in a great business mm. um but you know I've had to work for everything I have. 
uh, no handouts. And, and I think that's been a great way for the family to have run the business yeah. until now. But that's why it's such a sh- became such a shock when, you know, maybe you are 16 and, and, and uh, you know, somebody asks you, what, what do you do? They assume that there's this like crazy wealth <laughs> behind it. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and I understand, yeah, of course, we're, like me and you, Matt, we're in the 1% in the world. Yeah. Totally get that. But actually, you know, relative to my peers, um, what they thought was that I had like this unlimited resource and, <laughs> and could like, it just, I this know, like, like black credit card made out of metal made, that would just have an unlimited spending fund on it. <laughs> and especially they'd be like, wait, so you still need to like buy your petrol. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like yeah, like, like when, once I became an employee, you get like, like, a, like one P off a liter, but that's it. Like, oh baby, there you go. <laughs> I know, so, so that too. But that is so funny. That, like, the Northern yeah. Irish mindset is so hilarious. Like, this morning I was on the phone uh, for an interview with um, John Linehan, and he is May McFetridge. So he's the guy behind the yes. pantomime legend. And he, he said something very similar. He said, Look, all my mates thought, like, every time I went on the radio, I was getting like a grand. And, like, that was, that was like a common rumor that, like, I, every time he goes on the radio, he's getting a grand. So he is. And he got 12 pounds. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, but like, so all, all, literally all the spending money I had was once I was old enough and was able to work a few weekend shifts, literally on the tills. Like that, that was it. Legendary. And, um, and actually, I'm super grateful for, for that on hindsight. And, you know, if I'm lucky enough to have, you know, kids someday, they'll definitely be doing the same. Yeah, well, what I think is really, so I didn't know you worked on the till, but... I remember uh, like meeting you probably like a year ago. I think we had wings at Tribal or something. Yes. And you were telling me all about, because you were very much in a customer experience role. And Correct. now hearing that you have, you started on the tills and you kind of worked from there. It's no wonder that you have so much insight about your customers that you do, because you literally have been working with them at least half of your life. <laughs> Absolutely. So since since I guess like sixteen seventeen, I've I've worked in twenty one different stores, wow. all on the tills, and like legitimately, I don't know if you've ever worked in a shop, but it's like the tills is the wor- is like the lowest <laughs> bit, right? So, and I, I wasn't even like really very good at it, so. Like I would like the till would be like wrong at the end of the night and all this kind of stuff. But I just loved talking to customers, mm. but they didn't <laughs> they literally my first like my first manager did not let me leave the tills to like, you wow. know, maybe like do some packing out or to, I don't know, like a more strategic role within the store, you know, maybe count the money, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like <laughs> I just I li- I, I was just good at talking to customers and I, and I really enjoyed that. And I guess, yeah, that definitely led me on to uh, try to understand the customer more and thinking about things like data and all that kind of thing. But but I don't know. I don't know if I've explained this to you, Matt, but recently I've left the business. Yes, so I, heard, I, I heard this through the grapevine and I heard okay, that wow. you're starting something up. So... Tell you what, let's close the whole Spar Henderson loop and then let's open up uh, what it is you're working on now. Because loads of people have written in with, you know, some concerns and some anxiety about kind of the food supply chain at the minute. So I think it would be really awesome to have you speak to that. And um, and then, yeah, I I totally want to hear kind of what's next. So, yeah, well, let's do that. Let's start. Let's start with a couple of questions uh, from the Producers Club here. So like I was saying to you before, uh, we are like fully independent 
crowdfunded, no ads. It's we're just supported by like people who love Northern Ireland and, and people that. who love the show. So one of the ways we like to give back to those guys is just the the chance to uh, give submit some, value. some questions. You know, it's all about adding value. So let's see if this works. Hi, Andy. It's Andrew here. Obviously, a lot of stores are bringing in a lot of measures to keep the public safe, um, only allowing a certain amount of people in the store at any one time, queuing at the door with social distancing enforced, entering through one door, exiting through another, etc., etc. My question is, do you think those measures are enough or do you see more measures coming into, into play? Thank you. That's a, that's a great question, Andrew. Myself, this morning, had had to go and get some petrol at, at a store and had to had to wait outside in a line of probably you know seven people and and it's one in one out kind of situation um i think that is definitely necessary i mean i guess the only businesses that are open right now are essential services yeah. and of course food food is one of those um there are we have put in ridiculous measures within the store to allow for social distancing particularly at the till areas where people can can gather and we've got um, you know, we spent a huge amount of money and effort getting like sectioning off areas and like um, like lines that you have to stand behind and, and boxes you can't enter until it's your time. And the staff, I have to say, that have been working in the stores have been incredible at educating the customer about what's required, mm. but also enforcing when. You know, so literally this morning when I was queuing up, I I was like standing too close. I was like over the line, you know, when I was trying to tap my contact list, and and the lady, you know, she didn't know that I was part of the business. And you said, you know, can you just take a take a step back there? And I <laughs> thought I thought that was really great. Awesome. That, she, that she was she was doing that. Um, we're looking at additional measures. I mean, of course, the the uncertainty of how long this is going to go on for, um, is just as uncertain in our industry as uh, as everyone else, mm. and. It, it, we're investing for the long term. So we're looking at seeing if we can get like visors up at the tills, um, particularly to protect our, our staff and, and our customers there. And, you know, more long term structural measures, you yeah. know, ar- around the property of the store, particularly if this is going to go on for months and months. And, you know, w- we are not being enforced by, by the government to do any of these things. Um, but we want to to, you know, our, our one of our, our mottos within the business is we, we want to be at the heart of the community and care mm. about about those the people that are that are coming and interacting with us daily and we we really i genuinely can assure you that is our number one priority in all of this that's awesome um so we're, we're doing what we can what i would say is you know and, and don't tell the company i said this <laughs> if you can buy online from tesco direct or sainsbury's or any of the other delivery ocado I would say that's what you should be doing. Of yeah. course, there's some items people want to come in and, and get certain items that you can't order online or buy petrol, of course, but but keep it at a minimum. And, you know, if you're coming in and you just just for the sake of want to get a few Jaffa cakes or whatever, like I would say stay, stay at home. Yeah. Just come out for the essential stuff. Yeah, awesome. Um, not necessarily connected to COVID, but Ian has a great question here. And he says... Uh, this is back to what you were saying about Spar being at the center of the community. And it does feel like even though it is not a Northern Irish brand, whenever mm. you're in Spars in Northern Ireland, you feel like it was yeah. the most Northern Irish thing in the world. Do you know what I mean? So fair play to your, your marketing and your branders for that. Um, but what initiatives 
Um, what do you guys do to support and promote local products from our wee country? Local products, absolutely um, critical. So I guess another thing that we haven't been talking about recently but has been a big issue was was Brexit and particularly people in the foods you know food chain industry um were freaking out particularly in Northern Ireland because of how how do we get all these goods that we're buying <laughs> like over you know whether it's through a ship or yeah. on a plane and what's the total tariff situation Actually, we've been relatively relaxed about all of that because we try and support local as much as we can. So where where it is possible, we want to buy from a supplier on the island of Ireland. Um, and you'll see that in our stores. We have Hero Bakeries. We have local butchers in all of the stores because we recognise, like, literally in terms of food suppliers the best of the best in the world is on this island wow and we don't want to make decisions in terms of purchasing just based on like price and because something might be cheaper to fly in from uh you know whether it's you know fruit from fruit and veg from from europe or um you know anything from even further afield why not support local where we can? We are a, a local family business. We're fully owned and operated um, in Northern Ireland. And it benefits us to support the local economy, but also it's what the customer wants. Mm. And, you know, we could start to bring in pre-packed meat and all that kind of stuff. But actually there's been you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of local businesses, butchers, bakers, uh, and we want to support them. And also, they provide the best service, so it's yeah. a no-brainer for us. Yeah. Um, and uh, we encourage all of our stores, all of our managers, to deal with l- real local local suppliers, mm. even if they can only, you know, a, a day or a week bring a, a dozen units into the store. We want to yeah. do that where possible. That's awesome. And I think this maybe ties into um, someone's asked to submit this question anonymously, and they basically just asked, should we be concerned about us running out of food? Should we be, mm. uh, you know, there's a lot of panic buying going on. Like, should we... Uh, have anxiety about uh the you know the stock the shops being empty yeah absolutely so so um we are our number one priority is to get availability as high as possible so generally within our stores um we try and have 99.9% availability so we talk about gaps in our industry in terms okay. of like there's a gap on the shelf and Right now, it's impossible to be up at that level. <laughs> yeah. um, we are experiencing no shortages or, or struggles in terms of the normal supply chain. So in terms of stuff we're normally able to get in from our suppliers, um, particularly local, that has not that has not been affected. What has been affected is the other end in terms of demand. So demand has seen like a ridiculous spike and yeah. suppliers uh, of all different types of products, whether it's, you know, we talk about ambient, long life stuff or, or fresh, they're at the current level, they're not able to keep up with that demand. Mm. But the, like, the need of what us as a nation need to consume has not changed at yes. all. <laughs> so what we, we think, we're seeing this huge spike at the minute in terms of people coming in to get products and they've got all the tins in their cupboards. That will ultimately have to flatten out. And people, we <laughs> yeah. think, so, so for example, 
due to all of this, we think some of our sales and some of our stores have gone up like 70%, which is just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> hey, if we was able to stay at that, that would be incredible for us <laughs> as a business. We know that that's not the case. People aren't going to, don't need to overeat right now. Yes. So because that, that demand has come, it's just kind of come earlier. You know, we saw Boris talking about the sombrero. It's kind of the same for us. We've seen the, the spike and actually we think it's going to drop way, 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 way down. Yeah. Um, what we're hearing in the industry is there is not a problem in terms of those essential items. Luxury items are probably not going to be at the same level of availability, but um, I would just say do not do not panic by. Um, what it will do is leave a, a problem for those that can't get out to stores that are working in the hospitals until the evening. You know, we get deliveries in every morning. If if normal customers are queuing up as they are at you know six o'clock to come in and, and get all the stuff, the biggest problem is it's leaving the shelves empty for those that are actually still at work providing essential yeah. services. Yeah, gotcha, man. Cool. Here is another wee voice message and uh, shout out to this man here. This man is called Rob Cantle, and well, <laughs> you'll hear the accent. Hi guys, it's uh, Rob here from down in Australia. Um, I was just thinking before that, um, you know, you guys in uh, Belfast, you guys have been through so much in the past and uh, we should be watching you guys and uh, learning from how you guys get through through the other side. So keep up the brave face, uh, thinking about you guys over there all the time. Thanks. Love that. He's so true, isn't he? Yeah, he's awesome. Um, I think I think there's just like a spirit around people that I've been, you know, zooming with in northern <laughs> ireland and you know everyone is pretty upbeat and looking at you know the positives in in all of this i think and i think that probably is unique <clears throat> you know i was watching oh, i definitely shouldn't have but i watched uh donald's press conference last night <laughs> and you know even the comments from the reporters it's just such a negative energy in, yeah, in all of this is. and what i'm hearing from people in belfast is like let's pull together I'm seeing so many initiatives popping up to look out for the community, those that are vulnerable. And actually, it's really brought joy to my heart, to be honest. It's awesome. Um, and I think um, I think we're going to get through this together. I know that's waffly language, but I really do feel like I feel closer with the people that are in my community, that are yeah. around me. And, you know, everyone's looking out for each other. I think that's a positive. Awesome, man. Really cool. Um, this is just kind of like to wrap up again the whole kind of spar henderson stuff mm. um someone has put in a really this is a great question and it's an it's a question that you are very passionate about but what can we expect in the next five ten years for our local euro spars because i know you, okay, wow. you you are really like forward thinking and you have really really thought about all these different things and you're looking from multi disciplines to kind of see what the future looks like so if yeah. you could just give us a taste of that i think that would be really exciting okay so it, it, this is the last question of the section it is indeed so, unless you want more i mean no no <laughs> up no, to no. You. <laughs> can i use this question to segue into bro i feel like we're already segueing into it some of, some of the things you've said i'm like this is clearly where his passion comes from i love I it know, so so please so can do i it. talk can i talk about it's time I'm, go I'm for sure it th- i'm sure i'm sure people have talked about this topic on the podcast but i want to talk about can i talk about burnout is that okay absolutely so let me rewind a couple of years so Graduated university, went into a grad scheme in the business. Um, never really 
thought that I would just jump straight into the business or that I'd ever go into it at all. I had so many ideas of things I wanted to do and, and achieve and start and build. Um, but thought actually the grad scheme is such a great opportunity because um, <clears throat> this is you know one of the country's biggest businesses and throughout the course of a year, I'm going to get to see window into all these different departments, how it all fits together, meet some of the key people uh, and I guess learn what it's like to be in a, a you know, a, a big business environment yeah. for the first time. Can I just pause one second? Something that I've heard lots of people say is Henderson's might be the first Northern Irish company to break a billion. I don't know what that means. I don't know where that <laughs> comes from. I know first derivatives are really up there as well. But yeah. what, like, does that, is that even like close to being correct? Yeah. So um, 2020 will, will be a billion pound business. What? This yeah. year? This year. Oh, the growth, the my goodness. Has, the growth has been exponential. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. Cool. Um, that's it. I just wanted that nugget yeah. confirmed or denied because uh, I think that's absolutely incredible. Really cool. Yeah. So, billion pound business. Um, one of the, one of the country's biggest employers, all this kind of stuff. And and coming into it, even as a family member, it was a lot to get my head around. So um, throughout that, that first year, I went around seven different departments trying to figure out, I guess, where's my skill set at, um, what do I find interesting, but also yeah, being able to piece it all together because I think that's, that's really important. Um, then... After that, worked for three years looking at looking at customer data, um, particularly with a view of the future. What does this mean? Um, what 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 is our customer behaviours and potential future behaviours mean for the convenience store? What does it mean when a business is based on people coming to buy diesel and petrol and maybe buy a few other things when they're there? What does that look like when your self-driving car is waking up in the night <laughs> to go and to go and charge at a at a spa store, get the newspaper and coffee that you've pre-ordered placed into the car, ready for it to drive home and pick you up at seven o'clock <laughs> and drive you to work as Mental. you as you read your email and you know the seats have been pre-warmed and um what does that look like because People will still need to interact with a with a local local store, yeah. And even before we get to that stage, when people are coming to charge your electric vehicle, that mm. could take forty five minutes. What do you do during that? What we call dwell time, and and how does the in store experience have to change and, and revolve around that? So find that like ridiculously interesting. Um, also, the idea of well, what does it look like when you know people are talking about drone delivery? We need to just work on getting a delivery system set up or at least an online click and collect. And I was part of a team that was helping to build some of that. And and even down to things like using sensors in store to figure out how long different types of demographics of people spend in certain areas of our store. Um, how long does they take to make a decision and process? So um, using all of that data to even like place products in the store and, wow. and what kind of eye level do things need to be at because we knew if we move those uh, chewing gum up like 30 centimeters, the sales might increase by this percent. All that kind Whoa. of micro stuff was was really, really interesting for me and, and, and really exciting. But I guess I was still this at the time, I guess, 21-year-old in a 
10,000 people business with all these big ideas because I've grown up with interesting conversations about about food retail around the dinner table at home and yeah. even down to things like acquisitions happening and you know maybe could we even move to another country and set up a mm. wholesale business somewhere else and and you know how do we really you know help people in our country and I find that so exciting then the real world was I was staring at Excel like every day mm. um, for like three, four years. And actually, I was the new guy. I was the little guy that yeah. didn't really know anything like the people around me because of, I guess, my opportunity. The people around me were more older and more experienced and were big hitters. Yeah. And I was this stuck, came and it's, it's like passionate, like let's change the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But actually, I've never no, like I like what I knew. Yeah. Um. So so I was this like little small cog and like a really big thing, and I increasingly found this very frustrating. I was very aware that someday, if I was the right person, I could maybe be sitting at the senior management table and, and making strategic decisions. And uh, but I knew that that was a long way away no matter what path i took actually i wasn't going to change the world just to get involved with stuff outside of the business yeah so i would start to use my 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 evenings and weekends and and often often before work um getting stuck into some of the stuff that my friends were doing with startups with charities um all the all this kind of stuff that just really I felt I could add a whole lot of value really fast. Yeah. And actually I was starting to be a big guy in in a smaller thing and it was tangible. I was able to make decisions and see things change and and it was really very exciting for me. Um what that then led to was you've only got so many hours in the day mm. and I started to push out everything in my life that was uh, not changing the world <laughs> so um not in a mean way but i guess i wasn't prioritizing my friends i wasn't prioritizing my family i wasn't ultimately prioritizing myself um mm. i've become an extrovert and um i don't know what my myers briggs number is but i do get energy from being around people, making stuff happen, seeing change. That gives me like fulfillment. I feel like it was what I was born to do. Mm. And sitting around playing PlayStation or um, like even just like go, like going for a coffee catch up, I, I knew there was more important stuff, quotes, that I could be doing that would be like be really transformational. So, uh Long story short, ended up on the board of like five different organizations on top of my day job. Um, I'm a big runner and I was still, I was running like 30 miles a week at the same time. And um, I was like, I felt like I was like doing what the, what Gary V would be like (laughs) thriving and flourishing. Right. But actually it was like really killing me inside. And I really did go through quite, quite a low period that I was really good at masking. Yes, and when I did feel Lou, my go-to was well, let's let's do more stuff and let's you know have another meeting and maybe let's start another business and all yeah. this kind of stuff. But it was just spiraling 
really out of control. And then I started to let people down. I was not doing any of the things at my full potential. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I felt like all the plates that I was spinning were about to come crashing down and I needed to do something. So the end of last year, I made a, a really hard decision to step out of the business. Um, I knew that I needed to create some sort of margin in my life. And that meant getting a red pen and going through stuff in my calendar, my diary. And what I thought the best thing to cut out was, and the least life-giving thing was sitting in Excel, doing a job that actually loads of other people would love to do and be really good at doing. And, and, and actually, if I cleared that space and filled my nine to five in quotes with the stuff that makes me feel alive, Mm. um, that is, I guess, helping me progress quicker, then that would be a really wise thing to do. But the key was then for those evenings and those weekends and those weeks off in the year to actually spend on me and the people around me and rebuilding those friendships again and actually just going for a pint because that's the great thing to do with your mate and just to have a bit of a heart to heart. I am, I would call myself, I'm the people person that no one knows. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let me explain that. Yeah. Unpack that for me. So it's like, I just love people. I love connecting with people through, through all of it. It's my passion. I love understanding people. That's why I love listening to this podcast and, and others. And, and like, I'm great at going for like a, a catch up over a Chemex, right? For mm-hmm. like two hours and asking all the questions and yeah. diverting everything away from me. Uh, so it yeah. comes to the end of, and, and like the, the person on the other side ha- hasn't even realized it, but I haven't opened up mm-hmm. and we've, we've got really deep whatever that means, yeah. but it's been all about them. And totally. I love that. I yeah. love, I love <laughs> I, and it's, it's sort of a, gen, this isn't me trying to escape me. It, it happens because I am genuinely interested. So I just haven't been vulnerable in my life at all. Like until now, and in these past few months that I've left that, I kind of realized that was a big underlying problem. Mm-hmm. And I've, started to open up i've had to be vulnerable with like a small group of people around me about that dark time that I, that i was that i was in and people talk about depression i'm not sure if it was depression it felt pretty low it felt pretty low um i was going through this whole imposter syndrome thing i'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's been a big topic you've you've had but it's like am i in this big business doing this like job you know i'm on stage talking to all the employees here am i am i actually good at this or am I here because I've got the surname? Wow! And what are other what are other people around me think? What do, do they do they think I'm just here because I'm you know, Jeff's son? Um, I legitimately think I've got entrepreneurial skills that add value. Yeah. But it's like, have I actually had a chance to prove that yet? Wow! Um, and and maybe it turns out someday I'm not the retail tycoon and I'm so okay with that. The business will continue to flourish and thrive and do great things in communities. I think someday I would love to be part of part of that story. Um but I wanna take a chance to prove to myself actually I'm I can have good ideas too. Yeah. So le- left the business and, and started to think about well there's like 12 things I do here. What, what, what should I really plug into? What would be really exciting? 
thought about all sorts of things like starting a microbrewery and and uh, uh, some AI stuff and loads of stuff I actually didn't have any idea about but found really interesting. Yeah. But then I started to think, well, okay, and I promise I'm getting to the point. The whole idea of me being in the business, I found it exciting because I thought I could change things. I was seeing weaknesses and I was seeing things that we could be doing better. I mean, if I'm honest, Matt, I have no interest in 10 years' time, Henderson Group being a £2 billion business. Sure. I have zero, zero interest in but that. But I think like even, even based on that time in Tribal, my impression was that you brought a real youth and fresh set of eyes. That was a real value yeah. add that you brought to that business, you know? Yeah, so I have... I, I think we could be doing more for, for people in this country, for the, for the little communities that we find ourselves in. And also, I think there are things we definitely need to be engaging more with in terms of tech and whatever. But I was so frustrated because I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't actually make those things happen yet. Yeah. So the idea was, well, what if, what if I go out on my own, start a little business, learn what it's like to run a P&L myself, uh, feel the weight of paying salaries that are your people's mortgages. Mm. Um, I will be the marketing director and the sales director yeah. and talking to customers. I will have to do it all because I'm building this from nothing. Mm -hmm. And I will have to know what it's like to go to Danske Bank and say, hey, can I borrow all this money to try this thing? And, yeah. and I promise I'll make it back. Like, like that was a really <laughs> difficult conversation to have and figure out well, how do you even go about doing that? Because yeah. I was getting no, no handouts, as I say. And what if I could run a business that fully embodies all of these like utopian like ideals that I have of what Henderson Group and Spar needs to be in like 10, 20, 30 years time and prove to them and the industry that the stuff that I care about actually matters and the customers will care about it too. Bro, so you are basically, I'm going to preempt and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. So you're going to start a nimble vehicle that can try and test and sprint some of these ideas out test them out in the real world because you don't you know that whole big thing like big ships turn slowly well yeah. you're going to have a smaller ship that can move very very quickly for you to bring a lot of these Absolutely. utopias as you said kind of into reality so dude do you have a name do you I'm, have anything yet maybe i I've mean you don't you don't have to share if you don't want to so the, and the, the only reason, listen, the only reason that I'm like happy to tell this on your podcast is that like, it's such a, like, no one is going to want to copy me because it's, <laughs> honestly, this is not a get rich quick business model. Nice. Like if they, if this breaks even, like I am going to be ridiculously happy. Yeah. There are a million, uh, more lucrative things I could be doing and I've had job offers and all that kind of stuff. Um, no one is going to copy this because it's going to be... I, I'm going to... Right, so here's the idea. So a neighborhood food store. We have a couple of locations and we're just narrowing it down right now. Um, I think this could work almost any kind of neighborhood in the country. I think it's scalable, <clears throat> but we're going to start with one. And it's going to be a food store that has the community as the focus. So couple of elements, and I really should have written these down. 
thinking really carefully about food waste. Food waste for spa and other businesses is such a problem. Mm. Such a problem. We're throwing literally tens of millions of pounds of food in the bin every year. It costs a whole load of money to throw it out, for example. We have to pay for someone to come and yep. pick it up. But I, I, I'm involved with some food banks, and it's like food banks need food, right? So yeah. it's like there's such a problem here, and we, we need to get the two connected. Um, also, we know for the environment, releasing the carbon into the, the air, it is, it is terrible. So it's a problem that needs to be solved. So thinking really strategically about food waste um, and sourcing everything in the store from the island of Ireland, I wow. think that is absolutely possible. I want to I celebrate local makers, like real local makers, and tell their stories. So the store will be pretty experiential, and we're gonna run, you know, evenings where it's like meet the maker. You know, I have a couple of friends that are that do run small food businesses, and it's like I know the story's incredible, and because I knew that, I'm gonna buy more of it. But more people need to know those kind of inside stories. Mm. Um. So. Plastic free, just entirely plastic free. Wow. And that's gonna prove like a lot of challenges. Yeah. And I I'm not saying that I'm not saying that Spar or Tesco or Lidl need to be completely plastic free right now. Yeah. This is me, as you say, sprinting in a direction that if some of the other bigger companies tapped into like a little bit. So say Spar was able to say, listen, we're 50% plastic free. Mm. That would actually have a huge impact on, on the world. Oh, big time. And um, I want to prove that customers might be willing to pay like a little bit extra because they know that this stuff really matters. Yeah. So if we can embody it fully, then my hope is that that you know, we can share, share the message. So um, also... Just running loads of community events. I I do a thing called We Run Belfast, and it's like it's an amazing community that I think really kind of saved my life. And uh, I want to base it there, and uh, for a place to people to co- to come and connect. And um, and I wanna I wanna employ people that maybe otherwise wouldn't wouldn't find it easy to get employment as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's another huge um, issue in our in our in our country, and it's like. You know, I think a whole load of people need a second chance, and I think um, vulnerable people need to have a, an easier way of getting jobs. And it's like, what if, what if we decided who we employed through different metrics? You know, mm-hmm. we asked different questions, and and um, and ultimately, as I say, I have no idea if this is going to be a roaring success. I, yeah, it's something that I care about. I think people yeah. need to eat good food, food that's good for them. It bothers me that we put loads of chocolate and Coke cans at the tails of Spar because it's like, well, if we really care about people, why don't we try and sell stuff that's actually wholesome and good for you? Mm-hmm. We know that there's an obesity problem in the world. We know that there's an addiction problem, whether that is to 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 chocolate or to cigarettes. And it's like, well, well what if we decide that we're going to put our customer number one, not profit? And mm-hmm. I think... I think generally that's just a good good model for business. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a journey. I am so, so excited for you. Honestly, like just like whenever you're talking, like there's loads of things flashing in my head, okay? And yeah. for some reason, and take these as compliments, okay? I just picture this place that is somehow... <laughs> A combination of and some of these brands don't even make sense but it's the it's like the the personality behind these brands okay it's like speciality coffee shop meets yeah. ormo baths meets 
Born and Bred Studio Souk meets yeah. Turf and Grain. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. And meets Meetup. Like, that, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what I have in my head. Do you know what I mean? It's like... Man, honestly, so this is the thing. So it's like, so I, lo- I love Mike's Fancy Cheese. Yeah. Love... Oh, dude, Mike's Fancy Cheese. I just so, went for the so... first time, like two months ago and what a i have not talked about it enough it is such a hidden gem isn't it a hidden gem and i could tell you six or seven or eight of these hidden gems in our city and it's like well what if we supported them and brought them all under one roof so it's like a destination to access some of this i don't know hipstery stuff and it's not (laughs) it's not to run on the hipster bandwagon but it's like this see sourdough, it is the best kind of bread, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like, it's the it's the purest form, and it's like, well, what if we brought all of these kinds of things under one roof, shared their stories? You know, we're not competing with them. We want to we want to support Mike and his cheese, and <laughs> and, and maybe he just wants to sell out of his shop. But but local makers that maybe can't afford a premises, yeah. well, why don't we be their premises for them? Yeah, and. Uh, you know listen to them and I think yeah I mean it's just it's a whole load of ideas in my head sure sure but but it's coming really fast okay COVID has really thrown a spanner in the works sure we were about to make some stuff happen we now we're not sure just exactly but it's coming yeah Yeah. I'm gonna do everything to make sure make sure it does happen yeah um okay well I'll tell you what let's make a deal okay so today is um Let's say Saturday the 28th of March, 2021. Wow, yeah. Live podcast. <laughs> Let's do it. In your new place with the I'm Producers serious. Club. Let's do I'm it. I'm serious. I am literally... Exciting. I'm going to put it in right now. Hang on. <laughs> uh, okay, Google Calendar, here we go. Yeah, I'm on the Googs. Got it. Actually, I should really switch to I month. I better get to work. I should switch to month mode. <laughs> I'm on week mode right now, and it's taking me forever. Okay, I'm in September. Okay, there's March 2021. It's, it's a Sunday. We can make that work. We can make it work. Andy Agnew Project X. <laughs> Live podcast. Awesome, bro. Uh, so, dude... Super excited. I had no idea. I had no idea half that stuff was going on. I had no idea about your burnout. I had no idea about all of those kind of inner working things. So I really appreciate you talking about them and sharing them and um, mm. kind of like addressing them in a in a public platform. And it is so funny. Like we must be on some sort of connected but disconnected <laughs> path because a lot of things you're saying, I'm just like, yeah, bro. Yeah, I feel it. Yep, okay, you you're preaching it? to the choir. Yep, okay, okay. Yep, yep, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, And I gotcha. think there is this just atmosphere in the air amongst, you know, you know, people our age particularly that are interested in this stuff. And I just, I'm very excited for Belfast over, over yeah. the next few years. Awesome, bro. So landing the plane here with our um, usual stock questions. Um, like we've talked about a lot you've experienced a lot of young at a young age and one thing i will just say before i ask the question is i think it's awesome that you did go into employment and something that it's something that i am even considering at this stage because i'm like Mm. dude i'm 25 i i'm i'm like this entrepreneur thing is working for me but i'm Mm. wondering if I would learn more at this stage of my life if I like submitted myself under some sort of a leadership, some sort of a business, Mm. you know, if I, instead of, you know, if I 
kind of earned to learn for even the next five years of my life what would that look like and would that set me up for more success yeah, down the line to have struggles so, with it struggles with the boss yeah you know the, what i mean because i, I really I've, I've never had a real job you know and um yeah like you could sleep in if you wanted to yeah totally totally so i know you don't but <laughs> like having that framework there is it there is a lot of value there yeah um, and I, I just see like you there's so many tools in your hands you know for you to go forward and whatever you end up doing now you know the experience you've had and the skills are invaluable but anyway to the question out of everything so far, do you have a moment that you can describe or define as your most successful? Most successful. Okay, so I, I mentioned briefly a thing called We Run Belfast. Um, uh, I say it saved my life. It did save my life. Running was saving my life, and I knew I needed to share it with other people. And I put out a thing on Twitter and I just said if anyone wants to come and run with me it's, it helps me clear my head I know I know it's not like always a cool thing to do but come down my, my friend has a, has a coffee shop and let's just meet there and I, I I knew one or two people would come I had you know whatsapped a couple and they were like yeah don't really like running but I'll, I'll come down <laughs> and, tw- and 20 people showed up that night and um, 10 of them I didn't know at all 10, wow. 10 of them I didn't know at all people were craving some sort of community um, they didn't really know anything about running, didn't really have the shoes or the watch or any of that stuff, but were interested in um, getting out, meeting meeting people in real life and sharing that over running and a donut and a coffee and building a little bit of community. And uh, this guy Greg came there that first night and Greg's one of my best friends now and, and he helps, I guess I call him a co-founder, he helped me build, build the whole thing. Unreal. And, you know, you know, since then we think we've had maybe over two hundred unique runners come down on a Wednesday wow. night, and it's just blown blown me away. Again, terrible business model. There's no money to be made in this, but I would encourage you know just I would encourage anyone just whatever you care about, just share it with other people because yeah. other people will get value out of it. And now I've got a, such a community of people, and we meet every week, and it's like you know, 30, 40 people show up, and it, it kind of blows my mind. And there's been incredible stories that have come out of that, out of you know, in terms of mental health, um, people feeling lonely and isolated, right. and um, and I guess that that was the first thing I guess I kind of really built and was a success, and um, and I love it. Awesome, bro. Flip side of that, then, how about your greatest challenge, and how, if you don't mind sharing, were you able to overcome that? <sighs> The, the the greatest challenge was me accepting to myself and to the people that are close around me that like although the Instagram feed was really good and looked like I had it together and had a good job you know had a, had a house traveling speaking on stages actually at that moment my life was a mess and wow. the challenge of like I was in total denial myself about it. Um, but even when I started to tell people, they just, they, they literally thought I was joking mm. because I'm smiley and I have energy and I can like, I can get through things. Yeah. But being vulnerable, asking for help, for advice, um, things like therapy, it felt like you go to therapy when you've failed something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And until this moment in life, like things were 
were going well. Like I wasn't failing. Like like the world's in Gary V's eyes, I was like I was <laughs> thriving. And it's still hard. It's it's hard it's hard for me to talk about it now and it's hard especially with people closer around me. It's almost easier talking to to your audience, but Yeah. The fact just that I was sad and that I was going through it kind of well entirely alone. Um but the more I started to do it, the I knew it was benefiting me and I knew that it would get easier. And now, now I am happy to talk about it and mm-hmm. accept it. And I want to share it with other people. I was back at Friends actually last week with Young Enterprise. Oh, dude, so cool. And and I was just standing up there and I, I knew I'd been invited because I'm part of the Henderson group. But it's like I, stu- I just shared my vulnerability mm-hmm. and I, t- I just... I told a younger me what I needed to hear, and, yeah. and and I th- I think some of them listened, and I think like you could hear you couldn't hear you could hear a pin drop, and it's like I was getting deep with with ways that I just never would have in the past, and mm. and I didn't get up and share my success story. I shared my I guess my feeling story, yeah, and um, 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 what I got out of that. So going forward, I never want to hold any of it in, and mm-hmm. you know still got down days and now I just I text a couple of my mates now that we're in isolation and I'm like having a bit of a down day and mm. the encouragement and the, the you know the love that they give me that sounds so fluffy but honestly it, it has been life-changing and Amazing. I wouldn't have that I wouldn't have that support around me because if I didn't do this because people didn't think I needed any support and now, yeah. now I really do <laughs> yeah that's awesome, man. Um, you've almost preempted my last question, but there's one more before right. we get there. And that okay. is, um, if you could take anyone from Northern Ireland out for a coffee, who would you take? And I'm very interested, where would you take them? And uh, lastly, why? And we can give the caveat, if you need it, that they can be dead or alive. They can be dead or alive. Okay, wow. Okay. Uh, that might oh, this is so difficult. hard because <laughs> this could be so, like I want a whole dinner party here. Um, <sighs> the whole squad. Um, this is a this is a sad one. Um, there's people like C.S. Lewis that, of course, like you would have to have on there. But I'm gonna go with a guy. Lots of people know. Lots of people probably don't know. Called Norman Linus. Um, Norman, Norman Linus through the years he was a, a, a best friend to my grandfather and, and a competing business partner they ran similar food service businesses and Norman had just had a perspective on life that I just wish I tapped into more mm. and there were tons of times he said you know we need to go for that co- coffee again and it's like I was too busy for it to be yeah. honest yeah. and Norman unfortunately passed away in December and uh the few moments of life that we did share together did 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 change it forever. Um, I didn't know that he'd be gone as young as he was, and uh, what that has changed is my perspective now on, on 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 all kinds of people of all ages that you don't know what tomorrow holds at yeah. all. Uh, Norman put people first. He put love first. Uh, he ran a great business, but that wasn't what was important to him. And uh, and I just yeah, I'd love another wee flat out with him. <laughs> Where would you go? Uh, well, see, uh, he would he would make sure it was lost and found and cool because nice. he has a bit of a connection there. Um, <laughs> but his front it was his front room was pretty dated, but it was that was where the magic happened for me. Nice one. 
Andy, mate, we have reached the final stop of uh, the podcast journey, and that is the final question. And really simply, it's this. If you could go back in time to that 18-year-old self, very similar to what you did uh, at your old school last week, you had a couple of minutes of 18-year-old Andy's time. What sort of things would you say to him? Wow. I really should have thought about this one. I guess to keep it short would be... um, don't fake it. Um, it's such a waste of time to try and fake it, to try and pretend that you're something or um, to impress people like that. I've just spent too many hours of my life trying to impress people and make them think that I'm a success and that, you know, even if it's around good causes, mm. it's like, it's like, don't lead with that. Um, that brings no joy. Um, you've got to work internally. I, w- I just want to be the best version of me. I want to be the best uh, son, friend, business partner, uh, running group member that I can be. And I just want to be improving every single day. Yeah. And if I think about the people in my life that I look up to, that I aspire to, it's not about what they've achieved. It's about their attributes in terms of how they care mm. for stuff that matters. And yeah. I guess leaving school, I would have wanted to um start something that employed lots of people and that had a great website and (laughs) big turnover. And actually life's too short to be focusing on that because I've tasted it and it's not worth it. What's worth it is people and, um, improving my, myself is where it has to start. I want to love myself and, um, and yeah, don't like, don't chase, the instagram story life like it's not it's just that that ours i can't get back and um focus on a small group of people around you because i had this like big network but i just wasn't i wasn't there wasn't depth with any of them yeah i want to have a a small community around me people i can really invest in i know that's something you talk about matt and, and i need to work on that more and more and more and go to that next level with like a small number of people because that's the number of people you can really, I list. I used to have a, a note on my phone, right, of <laughs> the amount of people that I had to stay in touch with. Wow! And I had to write a list because because I would forget, and I would be, oh well, I haven't seen them in six weeks. Let's book in a coffee, and it's like what a waste of time. Yeah. How surface level it is. Sure. I want to be able to pick up where I left off with someone and talk about the stuff that matters. So, um, hey. I'm 24 years into this, but um, I just want to be better every day. And when I'm 70, I want to be better, a uh, better friend and just human. Awesome. Andy, lad, that was absolutely class. Thanks. Thanks so much. <laughs> well, that's us. We've reached the end. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I enjoyed that. Mate, that was absolutely class. Honestly. <laughs> Felt good for the soul. Really, really cool. And for all you guys listening in, just want to say thanks so much for checking out today's episode. Not sure if it's your first time or it's your 120th time listening to this podcast. But either way, I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time to 
hang out with Andy and I and hear more of his incredible story. Look, there's a lot that was covered today. I especially uh, love some of those last bits about focusing on a small group of people. And, you know, as we are all self-isolating right now, I know that there's the temptation to kind of reach everybody and contact everybody. But it's important, I guess, that we keep up the rhythm of, you know, the friends, the family, the grannies, you know, call your grannies if you still have them. Uh, it's something that I am, I'm, I'm really working on even just over the is last it, few Matt, weeks. Is this going out during isolation? This is going to go out uh, on Saturday, bro. Okay, so final, final plug. Do it. I started a thing called Food for Belfast. We're just trying to connect people that care with... Um, people that need food that are self-isolating or that would otherwise rely on a food bank and can't get out to one. Food banks are really depleted at the minute. So if you go on to foodforbelfast.com, um, we just need loads of volunteers. Uh, we've got 100 drop-off points if you can drop off food um, or you can give financially. Uh, it would be really appreciated. Awesome. Um, shoot me a wee email with that and I'll put it in the show notes as well. That would be uh, Buzzing. be really cool. And yeah, so that's it. If you would like to check out or like I said, 110 other long form interviews with incredible people from Northern Ireland, just like the one you listen to. You can head to bestofbelfast.org. Also, just want to give a massive, massive thank you to all of the members of our producers club, the small group of people who love Northern Ireland and believe we have a better story to tell. And we really appreciate your financial support. The show is completely funded by you guys and we couldn't do it without you. So that's it from me for now. This is Best Belfast. I'm Matthew Thompson. This is Andy Agnew. And until tomorrow i'm used to saying until monday morning but we are doing a, a <laughs> daily it. quarantine phone call every day uh during the lockdown here so you can uh touch base with us tomorrow either on your favorite podcast app or on our website and until then thanks again and uh all the very best cheers <laughs>